This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Let me tell you a little bit about this study today and the reason why I'm doing it. I'm doing it really to get it up on the internet and preserve it where you will have it. There'll be a day when you're going to want to ask me something about this subject here, and I'm not going to be here, and I'm going to be fertilizing or Bermuda grass somewhere in the cemetery. So I want you to have this now while I'm here with you. I want to get it up on the internet where we can preserve it, and I want to, to have it there as a tool for you where you can have it when you need it. Years ago, as a young preacher, I believe it was 1978 or 79, I was preaching on the radio in Fort Smith, and a lot of the Sundays I, I spoke on the radio down there. We had a 30-minute program. And I always went in and preached live. Never did record my stuff, but I loved preaching live on the radio. And, of course, if you made a mistake, it was just out there. Whatever you said was live. And you had a kill switch where if you needed to cough or clear your throat, you could do that and cut yourself off the air temporarily. And, so a little toggle switch over on the side of the desk there is what we used. And uh, that came in very handy. Every Sunday when I would go up, there was a fellow that had a program that followed ours. He had a 30-minute program. I believe we were on 9 to 9.30. He was 9.30 to 10. And uh, he was a man out of Idabel, Oklahoma, who drove up to Fort Smith every Sunday and preached on the radio because he had started a church uh, over in Spyro. I believe it was called the Open Door Community Church. And so he followed me live. And a lot of times when I left out of the booth Sunday morning, well, he walked in. And uh, so one Sunday I had preached a sermon on baptism. And I had mentioned several scriptures that connected salvation with it. And I was talking about water baptism. And I had used scripture like Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Acts 2, 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or Acts 22, 16, And now why tarriest thou rise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins. And I went through just a, a smorgasbord of scriptures in the New Testament all showing that baptism was essential. And I was preaching water baptism for remission of sins, as the Bible teaches. And this man walked in behind me that morning, and usually when I'd get out on Garrison Avenue there in Fort Smith, downtown Fort Smith, and would leave to go to church wherever I was preaching that day or just attending church, I would listen to the gentleman's radio program that followed me. And he came in that morning behind me, and he made a statement that... Uh, really kind of galled me. But he, he came in and he opened up and he said, uh, you know, all you get when you go down into the water, you get to be with the fish and the frogs and the snakes. There's no benefit to it. And then he proceeded to take the, the scriptures, a lot of them that I had used, and, and changed them over to Holy Spirit baptism and said that was not water baptism at all, that when Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, He meant Holy Spirit baptism, not water baptism. And He took all the passages that I'd used and uh, took water away from them and made them all Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, that, that upset me slightly, and I was just a young preacher, so 
Of course, that week I prepared another sermon. What you're looking at is the product of that from 1978 or 79 as a young preacher. I put together six rules, six rules where when you, when you read a passage of Scripture in the New Testament that mentions baptism, you can determine whether or not it's talking about water or spirit whether it's water baptism or spirit baptism, there has to be a way to make that determination. And this man just arbitrarily made every one of them Holy Spirit baptism. So the next Sunday I came back with that study and I presented that. And I never had any more trouble with the man after that. He never, he never rebuked me the next week and he never tried to, to do any more with it because he couldn't. And uh, it was a shame what he did. And I referred to his statement. I didn't call him by name, and I didn't get mean-spirited or anything, but uh, I wanted the folks that had heard these two programs, if they had listened to both, to hear the truth. So this is the product of that. And uh, let me tell you, occasionally through the years, I've had to have this. And I would just ask you to think about this for a minute. If you if you gave somebody Acts 2.38 where Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and someone said to you, Well, that's Holy Spirit baptism. That's not water baptism at all. What would you do? How would you answer them? Could you prove to them that that passage is water baptism? If you were to say in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And they said, well, that's Holy Spirit baptism there. He that believeth and has Holy Spirit baptism shall be saved. How would you answer that? Have you ever thought about that? I would tell the young people here today, that's going to come up sometime and probably in the course of your lifetime. You're going to run into this as I did as a young person and I didn't have a lot of help and I didn't have an older preacher to go to. And so these were things that I had to study out. I had a book, fortunately, in my library that helped me quite a bit, and that was a blessing. But I want to give you that background before the study. If you're wondering, well, why are you speaking on such a simple subject? It's not simple when you have to deal with it and you're not prepared to deal with it. So I, I have the purpose this morning of giving the church some information that you'll need especially our young people, and to get it recorded and get it up on the internet. And probably on Wednesday night, uh, when Miguel and I do a, another recording of things uh, for, for this coming Wednesday, I'll probably put this on the tail end of our study where we'll have it on video as well. And I won't uh, ramble like I'm doing here with you this morning. Now you know the background, and when you see it up on the internet, You'll know why it's there, and you'll know why I'm taking you through it this morning, even though to you it's going to seem elementary. It's really not if you don't know how to deal with that subject. It's a tough question. And I got hit between the eyes with it as a 29, 30-year-old preacher. So let's, uh, let's introduce our thoughts from 1 Corinthians 12 and verse, verse 13. Here is a misunderstood passage that I want us to understand. And if you're looking on the inside there, Paul said, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Notice that statement, by one Spirit. I underlined that little word by there. By one Spirit. This is what the gentleman was using on me that Sunday morning that he followed me. 
to say that all the baptism passages I'd used were Holy Spirit baptism by one Spirit. And so to him, this meant that the Holy Spirit is what baptized us into the one body, which is the church. And that's really not what Paul is saying in this passage. He is not referring to Holy Spirit baptism that puts us in the church. This by one Spirit, what he means by this statement is that by the directions and authority of the Spirit, that is through the Word here, we're baptized into one body. And I want to show you a companion passage here in Hebrews 10 and 8 that's uh, similar to it. Because it looks like in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into one body. That it's Spirit baptism. But in Hebrews 10 and 8, the writer said above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. I want you to notice the sacrifices back under the law of Moses are said to be offered by the law. Now, did he mean the law? When he said by the law, did he mean that by the law, that the law actually became a priest and offered sacrifices back there? After all, they were offered by the law. Well, we have a similar statement here in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, see. Does that mean the Holy Spirit does the baptizing? And what I want to show you is it's by the directions of the Holy Spirit that we baptize people into that one body. It's by the directions and authority of the law that the priest offered sacrifices. The law never offered the sacrifices. It was by the law, therefore authorized by the law. See, uh, Same way with the Holy Spirit here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. By one Spirit, by the directions of the Spirit, by the authority of the Spirit, we baptize. The Holy Spirit gives us that authority, see, as well as Christ and the Father. So I wanted you to see how this can be misunderstood greatly here in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. When you parallel it with other statements, it's easier explained. It's by the directions and authority of the Spirit that we're baptized into one body. It doesn't refer to Holy Spirit baptism. See. But this gentleman took it to mean that and then set out to, to, to show that every baptism passage I had used was referring to Spirit baptism. In Ephesians 4, verse 5, by the time Paul wrote the letter to Ephesus, and he was at Rome, and this is 63, 64 uh, A.D. that he wrote Ephesians. He's sitting in a Roman prison. And uh, he writes there, and he said, There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. By the time Paul wrote Ephesians, he said there is one baptism. I want you to notice that statement. That's 63, 64 A.D. Now, today then there is one baptism. There has been ever since Paul at least wrote Ephesians. Perhaps before that, one baptism. The question arises then, is it water or spirit? It cannot be both because there's only one baptism. 
And so we have people today that claim they're baptized with the Holy Spirit, but they're also baptized with water. That's impossible because there's one baptism, and there has been now for nearly 2,000 years. So it's up to us to decide, water or spirit, is that what the Lord meant to be that one baptism? You know, when you think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, remember Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So whatever the baptism is in the Great Commission, it is to last to the end of the world. Because he said, I'll be with you to the end of the world in carrying out this Great Commission. You go teach and you baptize, and I'll be with you. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. See, Whatever then the baptism is in the Great Commission is the one baptism that's the last of the end of the world, and that's the one that Paul referred to in Ephesians chapter 4. See that? See the logic of it. And so it's either water or spirit all the way. It cannot be both. So here are six rules when you come to a passage of Scripture like Matthew 28 that we just noted there that mentions baptism in the Great Commission but doesn't say whether it's water or spirit. Six rules to determine if the Scripture is discussing water or spirit baptism. That's what I want to show you right now. Let's look at rule number one. Here it is. When men are said to do the baptizing, when it's men who baptize, it's always water baptism because only Christ can baptize with the Holy Spirit. So when you're reading in your New Testament and you see a man or men doing the baptizing, you're going to know automatically that's water baptism because those men cannot baptize with the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can. And I'll give you some scripture, Matthew 3 and verse 11. John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And he's referring to Jesus. John was given an unmistakable sign how to identify the one that would baptize with the Holy Spirit. And in John 1, verse 33 and 34, John said this about Jesus. He said, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. And if you'll think back to the time that, that Jesus was baptized by John there in Jordan, when the Lord came up out of the water, what happened? Heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God like a dove lighting upon Christ. And then the voice from heaven, this was the Father saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. You have the whole Godhead here. You have the Father in heaven. You have the Son being baptized and coming up from the water. You have the Holy Spirit coming down in form of a dove and lighting upon Him. And so... John was given a sign by which to identify the one that baptizes with the Spirit. John said, I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptize, baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And he said, I saw and bear record 
that this, talking about Jesus, is the Son of God. He's the one then, and the only one, that can baptize with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, right before He ascended to heaven, He promised this to the apostles. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, you have heard of Me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye, talking to the apostles, ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And on Pentecost Day, about a week after He made this statement, Jesus sent down the Holy Spirit on His apostles, and He baptized them with the Holy Ghost, because only Christ can baptize with the Spirit. So in your scriptures then, as you study, when you see, when you see men doing the baptizing, you're going to know it's water, because men can't baptize with the Spirit. Only Christ can. See the logic of that? And that will help you understand that passage. Acts 2.33, on the day of Pentecost, when, when Peter explained the phenomenon of the baptism of the, of the Spirit and this speaking in tongues here, he attributed it to Christ being at God's right hand. He said, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He, Christ, hath shed forth this which you now see and hear. So he attributed the baptism of the Spirit that day, rightly so, to Jesus Himself. And Peter, of course, was inspired when he made this statement. Christ did the baptizing with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Now, 1 Corinthians 1 then, verse 14 to 16. Paul told the Corinthians when he reminded them of his work there among them, he said, I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say I would baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. So Paul didn't keep a record of who he baptized, but he mentions these people. Now, the very fact that Paul, the very fact that Paul said that he did this baptizing, what does that tell you? That it's water baptism, because only Christ can baptize with the Spirit. So when you come to a passage and men are doing the baptizing, like Paul talks about here, you know it's water. Men, men cannot baptize with the Holy Ghost. All right? Second rule. When people are exhorted or commanded to be baptized, it's always water baptism. Spirit baptism was never commanded. If you'll think about Acts 10 at the house of Cornelius, and the Bible says that while Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. There was a baptizing with the Spirit, and those Gentiles didn't know it was coming. They weren't commanded to be baptized with the Spirit, it just happened. And it shocked the Jewish Christians that were with Peter. Spirit baptism was never commanded. So when you read in a passage of Scripture that commands baptism, you're going to know it's water because spirit baptism was never commanded. See that? So let's look at some Scripture in Acts 2, verse 38 to 41. Here's how you settle. This is one way you settle Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. See, there's baptism commanded to everyone there. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's me and you. 
With many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So, beloved, when you read a passage and you see baptism commanded, or people exhorted to be baptized, you'll know it's water. Acts 10, verse 47, 48 even puts water with it. Notice, Peter said, Can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Baptism here is commanded, and notice he specifically connected water with it. Can any man forbid water, he said, that these should not be baptized. And then in Acts twenty-two sixteen, when Paul gets a command from Ananias, you know it's water. Now why tarriest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. See, the fellow on the radio that morning took this passage and said, that's spirit baptism. No, no, it's water baptism, because water baptism's commanded. And Paul here is commanded to arise and be baptized, and to have his sins washed away. So anytime you study and see a scripture then, where baptism is commanded or where people are exhorted to obey the Lord in baptism, you'll know that passage is water baptism. Number three, rule number three. When persons are commanded or said to be baptized in a name or names, it's always water baptism. Beloved, listen, spirit baptism was never administered in any name. In other words, when Jesus baptized with the Spirit, He didn't say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He never used a name. He was the name. He was the authority. He is the one that could baptize with the Spirit, see. And so, when you're reading a passage then, and it, it says, so-and-so was baptized in the name of the Lord, or be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you'll know it's water, because Spirit baptism was never administered in a name. So look at some scripture here in Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. See, there's the name. And when it's administered in a name, it's water. That tells you then the great commission that we asked the question about a while ago, where Jesus said, I'll be with you to the end of the world. It's water baptism. Therefore, the one baptism then that Paul referred to in Ephesians is water, not spirit. And there's one baptism. And this tells us what it is now in Matthew uh, 28 here. It's administered in names or names, and that's always water. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Acts 2.38 again. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There it's commanded in a name. Again in uh, Acts 8, verse 12 and 13, then verse 16. The Bible says, When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now there's people at Samaria being baptized, but is it spirit or water? Verse 16. 
For as yet he, talking about the Holy Spirit, as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now that tells us in verse 12 and 13, <clears throat> those baptized at Samaria were baptized in the name of Jesus. And what is the rule? That when baptism is administered in a name or names, it's always water. Rule number four. When one is promised salvation, remission of sins, or washing away of sins, it's always water baptism. Because salvation was never connected with spirit baptism. And uh, let me remind you on the day of Pentecost there in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, remember when the Spirit, uh, when the Spirit fell on the apostles that day when they were baptized with the Spirit. Do you think that they were baptized with the Spirit in order for the apostles to be saved? No, they were already saved. And I don't have this scripture down for you, but if you're taking notes, I'll give it to you. It's John 15 and verse 5, where Jesus gave the, the parable there of the vine and the branches. And He said, uh, He tells His apostles there, Now ye are clean, ye are clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Jesus told the twelve, You're clean. You're clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. They had no sin. They'd been forgiven, see. They did not need to be saved. Now, this was while the Lord was alive with them here on earth. And when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit is after the Lord's death and resurrection and ascension when He sent the Holy Spirit down on the day of Pentecost. It's later, much later than this. It's at least, uh, it's at least 50 days later. This happened, I believe, about the night that Jesus was betrayed, the night before He died, and about 50 years, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost here, so it's at least 50 days before that Jesus said they were clean. So when the Holy Spirit came on them on the day of Pentecost, what's that tell you? That it was not to save them, they were already saved. So when you read a baptism passage that connects salvation with it, then you know it's water baptism because spirit baptism was never to obtain salvation. And as for the Gentiles in Acts 10, the Spirit was poured on them before they were saved to show the Jewish Christians that God was now accepting Gentiles. But it was not for their salvation. So, here's this rule then. When one is promised salvation or remission of sins, or washing away of sins connected with baptism. That's always water baptism. Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. See, salvation's connected with baptism, so you know Mark 16, 16 is water. Spirit baptism was never for salvation. Acts 2, 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Remission of sins is connected with baptism. Therefore you know that's not spirit baptism because it was never administered to bring remission of sins. It was administered for other purposes. Water baptism was always for remission of sins. And then again in uh, 1 Peter, or excuse me, Acts 22 and 16, 
where Paul is told, And now why tarriest thou rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord? You know that that's water baptism because washing away of sins is connected with it. And spirit baptism was never for the washing away of sins. And then in 1 Peter 3 in verse 21, Peter said, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here again, salvation is connected with the act of baptism. That is water baptism because Holy Spirit baptism is nowhere said to save us. Water baptism is. Rule number five. When one is active in his or her own baptism, it's always water baptism, because one is entirely passive in Holy Spirit baptism. By passive, I mean not active, not, not actively doing anything, not participating in the act, in other words, of, of being baptized. When a person's active in his or her baptism, that is, when they go and do it, when they submit to it, obey it, it's always water because in spirit baptism, everybody was passage, uh, passive. Let me remind you of this. In Acts 2, 1 to 4, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles, what were they doing? Just abiding there in the upper room where they were gathered. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were passive. When Christ baptized them with the Spirit, they weren't active, see? And the same thing is true in Acts 10 when you read of the Gentiles being baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 10, 43, that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the Word. So they were just listening to Peter preach, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit fell on all of them that heard that preaching. See, They were passive, not active. So when you find somebody actively engaged in being baptized, you know it's water, because in spirit baptism they were passive. Now let's look at some scriptures. Acts 8 Verse 38 to 39. Of course, this one mentions water anyway, but look at the activity here. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Of course, water is mentioned here, but look how active. They stop the chariot, and they both go down into the water. They're active in that act, see? Then they come up out of it. And you don't see that kind of activity in spirit baptism. Acts 16, <clears throat> verse 14 and 15 with Lydia. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here's Lydia then, attending to the things that were spoken of Paul. She was baptized. She was active in that baptism. See, same with her household. 
Acts 16, 33, the jailer, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He in all his straight way. See how active he was? They went to the place where he washed their wounds with water and cleaned them, and then he and his household were baptized. They submitted. They were active. Acts 18 and 8, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So they were active in hearing. They were active in believing. They were active in being baptized. It's something they did. They heard. They believed. They were baptized. Acts 19, verse 3 to 5. He said unto them, this is the twelve men at Ephesus that Paul rebaptized. He said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And, and they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So here again, these twelve men were active in obeying the baptism that Paul talked about there, baptism in the name of Christ here. We know baptism in a name is always water too, don't we? And so we know that uh, some, of these, uh, some of these passages are proved by multiple rules in this set of rules here. Now the last one I want to give you is rule six. When one is said to be baptized into Christ, or said to be dead or risen in baptism, it's always water baptism. So when you're baptized into Christ, into, are you said to be dead or buried in the act of baptism? Then it's always, or I should say, dead and risen as well as buried. It's always water baptism. And uh, there's a reason for that. There is no resurrection in spirit baptism. There's no rising up out of the Spirit but there's a rising up out of water. There's a resurrection, see. And again, uh, there's a baptism here that puts us into Christ. The, the apostles, when they were baptized with the Spirit on, on the Pentecost day, I want you to notice something. They were not baptized into Christ. They were already in Christ. Didn't Jesus tell them in the parable of the vine and the branches, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, see, they were already in him. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. And so he talks about how the apostles were already branches in him, see. And he says, I want you to abide in me. You know, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you, he tells them. So they were already in Christ. And when the Spirit came on Pentecost Day, then that tells you that it was not to put them into Christ. They were already in Him. They were a branch in Christ. He'd already told them that. And that they were clean through the Word, see. So the purpose of Spirit baptism was never to put you into Christ. So when you're reading a passage of Scripture and it says you're baptized into Christ, you know automatically that's water baptism. Because Spirit baptism doesn't do that. So in Romans 6 here, verse 3 to 7, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ 
were baptized into his death. Now notice they were baptized into Christ and into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So that baptism in Romans 6, you know, is water because it's into Christ. The same with Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's that baptism into Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all, <clears throat> ye are all one in Christ. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So there again, there's baptism into Christ. And here in Colossians 2, 12 and 13, we read of a burial and a, and a resurrection. And remember, anytime you read of a, of a death or a, or a resurrection in baptism, it's always water. Paul said, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So that passage in Colossians is water. Now look at these six rules again. When men are said to do the baptizing, you'll know that passage is speaking of water baptism. Only Christ can baptize with the Spirit. When people are exhorted or commanded to be baptized, it's always water. Spirit baptism was never commanded. When persons are commanded or said to be baptized in a name <clears throat> or names, it's always water baptism because spirit baptism was never administered in a name. When a passage uh, speaks of, of one being promised salvation, remission of sins or washing away of sins, it's always water baptism. Spirit baptism was never administered for salvation. When a person is active in their own baptism, it's always water baptism. In spirit baptism, you're entirely passive. And finally, again, when one is said to be baptized into Christ, or said to be de dead or risen in baptism, it's always water because spirit baptism never put one into Christ. There is no resurrection in it. There is a burial, but not a resurrection. So I hope these six rules then will be a benefit to you. That's why I wanted to get them to you. I wanted to give you this information. And we want to get it up on the internet where it will be there. And Now you've got a resource up there that when we get this in place you can go to and you can listen to this again and again and get it in your mind. And when we video this, which we will we'll do perhaps even for this coming Wednesday, We'll have it up there in video form. You'll have to look at me to get it, but you'll have it. And you'll have it in a video, and you'll have a copy of this chart on your screen with the appropriate scriptures on it. And it's going to be a useful tool, I hope, for you men and you, you ladies too that are younger that will face this question sometime in the course of your lifetime. The Bible tells us to be ready to give an answer to those that ask us a reason of the hope that's in us with meekness and fear. 
And so when someone raises the question about spirit baptism and water baptism, we need to be able to give an answer, and it needs to be the right answer. It needs to be scriptural, backed by scripture, thoroughly proven. And so this is what I showed the gentleman on the radio down there in Fort Smith. This is what I did that following week or something very similar to it. I didn't have a chart back then, but I since, since have. So I hope that this has been helpful and useful, not boring at all, but something you can benefit from. That's the purpose. We never close a, a, a lesson like this without offering an invitation because we don't know the hearts of people. Uh, there's a lot of needs sometimes under these Sunday clothes. And we look dressed up and we look pretty good, but inside there's things going on. There's problems. There's burdens. There's sin. There's difficulties that all of us face in life. Sometimes we just need prayer. We just need to come request prayer of those that we love and love us. And we're taught to pray one for another. And so this is an opportunity as we sing uh, to just, just make that offer to you if you need the Lord for any reason in prayer. Or if you need to submit to baptism and become a child of God, it's also that time as well if you want to confess your faith in Jesus and obey Him. So we'll sing the selected song and invite anyone who needs the Lord this morning, if you sense that need in your life, to just come and have a seat here at the front as we rise and sing this song. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.